Welcome back to the Less Doing Podcast, this is episode 396 and here's your host, Ari. So in developing Less Doing, I came up with this sort of overarching theme, and that is to optimize, automate, and outsource. It's very important to keep it in that order. I'm going to talk about automations and I'm going to talk about outsourcing things to virtual assistants and other kinds of specialists, but the truth is, is if you outsource an inefficient task, it does not become more efficient. And that pipe will back up and eventually you're going to be right back where you started. So first, whenever there's a challenge, any productivity issue, a health problem, I always approach it by trying to optimize first. And what does that mean? That means taking a really hard look at what's actually happening, breaking it down into its little steps, into its most bite-sized chunks, so that you can immediately see the areas of redundancy, the holes that need to be filled, and how the flow should be done better. Once you do that, then we start to look at automations where we're talking about things like uh, processes or software or sometimes people, but they're of the vein of set it and forget it. So automations that you can set up and then never have to worry about again, they just happen. Then if there's anything left over, that's when we look at outsourcing. And sometimes there isn't. Sometimes we get to automation and we're done with the problem completely. But if we do need to outsource, that's when we start to look at specialists and generalists to handle whatever is left so that you can completely get it off your plate. So keeping that in mind, we're going to approach the nine fundamentals of less doing. The first one being the 80-20 rule. Now, I know what you're saying. You've heard that before. The 80-20 rule is certainly not my creation. It's a 106-year-old concept developed by an Italian economist who, upon looking at his pea garden, realized that 80% of the peas were coming from 20% of the pods and somehow parlayed that into an entire economic theory, uh, which he then applied to Italy as a whole and realized that 20% of the population was controlling about 80% of the land. Many of you have probably heard about the 80-20 rule before. It's essentially a resource allocation model. And it roughly works in a lot of situations. You could say that 80% of your income comes from 20% of your clients. You could also say that 80% of your complaints come from 20% of your clients. I apply 80-20 in a slightly different way. For me, it is a constant reminder to be self-tracking. Whenever I do these seminars live, I like to ask people to raise their hands really quick if they can remember what they had for breakfast this morning. Now, depending on what time of day you're watching this, could you think of that really quickly? You probably have the answer. 90% of the people usually remember what they had for breakfast. There's always a few that don't. But if I asked you how many emails did you send last Tuesday, you probably wouldn't be able to tell me that. You might be thinking, why is that relevant? Well, the truth is, it may not be. It may be, it may not be. But the thing is, is nowadays, there are so many ways to track everything that we do in such easy ways that you don't have to even think about that it's almost a matter of why not do it? Because if you get enough data, something will pop. Something actionable will happen. Whether you're talking about the number of emails you've sent or the number of steps you've taken today, how much you've eaten, blood markers, there are ways to track everything we do. So when it comes to things like the computer, there is a great application called Rescue Time. And what Rescue Time does is it runs in the background on your computer and you go about your day. After a certain amount of time, it will tell you that you're spending three hours a day on Excel and 40 minutes a day on Facebook. And it might even show you that 80% of your emails are coming in between 10.43 in the morning and 11.52, and that your most productive days are Tuesdays. So you can actually start to learn a lot of metrics about yourself and then start to take advantage of that in 
a lot of times pretty obvious ways. But then we can move on to things like food tracking. So there's a million food trackers out there, and a lot of them will tell you how many calories you've eaten or how much fat you've eaten, which is great. But an application called Thrive does it a little bit differently. With Thrive, you take a picture of the meal you're eating and you describe it sort of roughly. And then a couple hours later, it's going to ask you, how are you feeling? So it's a really interesting cause and effect relationship that you learn based on how something made you feel. Because with so many things going on in our day and our lives and our responsibilities, it's pretty hard to keep track of these things. The least of which might be realizing that something that you ate three hours ago is making you feel not so great now. We even get into things like blood tracking. Companies like Inside Tracker allow you to do your own blood tracking so you can track vitamin D levels, testosterone levels, calcium, and even cholesterol. Makes it so that you can sort of manage your own health in that way. So one of my essential web services is called idonethis.com. And what idonethis does, very simply, is send you an email every night around six o'clock, and it says, "What did you get done today?" Not how are you feeling and who did you talk to. What did you get done today? See, as humans, we just have this sort of natural tendency to focus on the negative. And at the end of the day, a lot of us feel like we didn't get much done, even for super productive people. It's almost worse for those people because they never feel like they're achieving enough in a given day. So if you can just take 30 seconds and respond to that email and have a little bit of a brain dump and just reflect on what happened that day. Immediately, you're going to have an interesting psychological benefit from that. You're going to start to become more aware, which is really important. Become more aware of the things that you've done that day, and even if you have to refer to your calendar to remember what you did that day, that's okay. So you write it down and you send it back. A few days goes by, or a week or so, and that email begins to change. So now, when it comes in, it's going to say, "What'd you get done today?" And then right below that, it's going to say. This is what you got done yesterday, and it'll show you what you sent in. And then after using it for a longer period of time, it's going to start to say things like, "This is what you got done three months ago. The day was this," or "This is what you got done four days ago," or "This is what you got done one year ago." It's not random. They have an interesting algorithm in place that makes these things pop up at seemingly random times, but at the same time, you get very relevant information.、And、I'm not sure how they do it. But it's a constant reminder of the things you got done, and I can't tell you how many times I've had an email come in, and I was having an okay day, or I was working on something that was really tiresome, and I got a reminder of something really great that had happened、uh, just a few weeks earlier that I'd completely forgotten about. So the more you use it, the richer that information becomes. And then they have another really cool feature, which they call their word cloud. So you can go into your account and see the most common words that come up. For you, so it may be work, it may be a child's name, but I've had a couple people use this over time and actually figure out new career paths because they found inadvertently that they kept referring to certain industries that they hadn't even thought about as ways for them to make a living. So, what's the point of all this? We have become blissfully or not so blissfully unaware of the things that we do in our lives. There is just too many things. Happening all the time, and we have so many responsibilities. It's unreasonable to assume that we could keep track of everything and still progress. So, bringing a sense of self-awareness to what we're doing, how we are allocating our resources, whether that's time or money or energy, is so important. 
And you'll see that because what you begin to be able to do, which is a very important skill, is to determine the difference in your life between the essential and the optional. So what do I mean by that? Well, the essential is pretty obvious. It's things that you have to do. You have to read. You have to talk to this person. You have to hear this podcast. You have to write this report. It's the essential. The optional is not junk. It's just the stuff that you don't have to do. It's the stuff that you want to do and you'd like to do if you have the time. The importance is being able to filter those things out from each other. We'll talk about this a little bit later, but it applies to email, it applies to papers, it applies to just people talking to you. You need to be able to have a filter set up so you can filter out the noise, focus on the essential, and then if there is time available, you can get to those optional things. The last thing about the 80-20 rule that all of this tracking enables you to do is something I like to call creating the manual of you. So every one of us goes through a process on a daily basis, several processes on a daily basis, uh, or a weekly basis, or a monthly basis. Or we don't do anything repeatedly, but they have tasks that are sort of similar to each other. But they're processes. So for example, every one of you pays a bill. A lot of you, if you own a car, you probably paid a parking ticket at one point in your life. Do laundry, you make meals, you have a route that you take to work, you have a method for producing things. Everybody has a process. But the problem is, is that we do these things so often that we forget and we just go through it. We just go through the motions and it becomes almost like you're on autopilot, which is great for you, except it makes it very hard to get that off your plate. Even professional pilots and surgeons use checklists. No matter how many thousands of times they've done a flight or how many thousands of times a heart surgeon has replaced a valve, they still have checklists that they go through to make sure that they don't miss things. If you take a moment and pick a process in your life and then really examine it on a very, very granular level and identify the steps required to complete that process, amazing things will happen. So let's take that bill paying example. This is one that I've worked on for a long time and when I first did it, it was 27 steps. Okay, so before that, if I got a bill in the mail, I could have handed it to somebody and I say pay a bill and nobody would know what to do. They don't know what accounts I use, they don't know who I like to pay or when I like to pay them because it's my own method, right? And the problem here is that this is what leads people to think that only they can do the things that they do. And I'm happy to tell you that 95% of the things that you do on a daily basis are things that can be done by other things or other people. It's being able to focus on that 5% that only you can do and do well that makes it so that you can then progress and really be satisfied with what you're doing. So let's look at that bank process, 27 steps. And how is it 27 steps? Because it's go to the Bank of America website, log in with this username and password, go to this bill pay tab. If the payee already exists, then do this. If the payee does not exist, then add them this way. So it very easily gets to 27 steps. And the first time I did that, I looked at those 27 steps and immediately I saw, okay, well, 11 and 12 are redundant, that's pretty clear. And I guess somebody wouldn't really know how to get from step 17 to 18. So just on my own, I was able to take that 27 step process down to 22. And I was really excited because I basically made the process 25% or 20% more efficient. But then I sent it to a virtual assistant. Virtual assistant wrote back immediately and said, I'm not clear how you got from step 17 to 18. And I'm also not clear how you got from step nine to 10. So 
perfect example there because I'm just used to doing these things. And I'm sure a lot of you have these things in your life where you just, just do them. So to actually stop and have to explain it to somebody is kind of an interesting process. So through that back and forth with virtual assistants and then automations that you know would download a PDF file automatically and put it into a Dropbox folder or whatever, that step became that process became 18 steps and then 14 steps. That process is now nine steps. And not only is it nine steps from an original 27, but more importantly, that nine steps is so perfect, so concise, and so clear that I could literally give it to any one of you who have no idea how I do my business or my methodology, and you could follow those nine steps and effectively pay my bills for me. And I've tested this now with over 300 different people without any errors. So that's the point, is that you get down to this minimum step, and even if you're still involved, okay, it's been optimized at least, but if you can automate it, and if you can outsource it completely, then you can get them off your plate and out of your mind. Thanks for listening. If you want to become more replaceable, head over to www.less.do/apply and find out how.